Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 143. What's going on? I'm Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how are you doing tonight? Spring has come. Spring has come to Canada. The snow's gone. That's good. All gone. Uh, it's not snowing in the, in the the forecast for the next ever. Well, I'm sure November come around and it'll start snowing again. But it's like I'm seeing high 20s with lows of like 11, baby. We're here. Let's go. You could definitely deal with that. That is good. He And by the way, if you don't know, he's talking Celsius, not Fahrenheit, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Imagine like, woo, 11 degrees Fahrenheit, baby, yeah, summer's here, bring out the pina coladas. Yeah, it's uh, it's not that cold. He doesn't live in the North Pole, folks. I'm too thin to live in that cold of a weather, my God, I no, wouldn't last. I couldn't do it. I don't know how you do it where you are, so I give you enough credit for that. Yeah. What's going on with you, buddy? Uh, not a whole lot, uh, just plug, you know, typical day, man, in the queue, just plugging away at the Excel sheet, looking forward to the highlight of the day. Still, to this day, is uh, walking the dog. We do uh, at lunchtime and an after-dinner walk. So we're getting two in now. There you go. How much practice have you had in, in editing formulas in your good old Excel? Have you done a V lookup yet or an H lookup? Nah, man. I am very, I am barely above Command-C, Command-V. So, oh, Man, Stack Overflow is going to be your, your – at some point, you're going to look at this and go, like, there's got to be an easier way for me to do this. And then Stack Overflow will be your best friend. All right. Uh, I'll take your word for it. I am just counting down the days because this is the last week of the semester, so I don't know how much longer I'm going to be in these Excel sheets tracking this stuff. So uh, we'll see. Oh, uh, Fair enough. Okay. Maybe you won't have to, but uh, for anyone out there looking to figure out what to do with Excel, Stack Overflow, just type your question into Google and it will probably take you right there. Link number one. It's your best friend. Absolutely. So do you have an addition for us, Mitch? Well, Yes. But we will get to that edition later on in the show, uh, as we are doing with most of our, all of our shows now for the last little bit. We are going to do this a little bit different. Rather than reveal the player that we are, uh, 
for lack of better term, dedicating this show to. Uh, I will ask you five questions, and you have to decide, or not decide, but decipher. That's the word I wanted to use. Who the player is that I'm trying to get you to guess. Uh, and if you don't win, it doesn't matter. I will tell you anyways. Perfect. Okay, so let's get into our first topic tonight. We're going to talk about the NHL's plan. So there's a, a couple of plans that have been floating around, and Gary Bettman came out today and pretty much said that he has no interest in canceling the season. So right now it seems that there is either a plan for a 16-team playoff or a 24-team playoff. Just uh, want to get your thoughts and uh, break these down a little bit. So the first thing on the cancellation, he's not going to say any differently. Like he's got like stakeholders and owners to to appease, and, and they want every one of us to know that hockey is still going to be very much on the radar, even though I'm sure they're entertaining a plan, even if it's C, of canceling the season. Uh, but out of that, it seems that the narrative has shifted from we're going to play regular season games to we ain't going to play regular. It, there's no more regular season, baby. It's too late for that. No, at, at this point, like we were thinking about if we missed maybe a month for this, but we're, we're two months into the queue now. You can't come back in July and pick up the regular season. No, you, like you could, but then right. Like the impact on next year would be insurmountable. Then you just changed your entire schedule format for the rest of eternity then, because everything's going to push back by three months. Exactly. So it's going to be a, a, a directly into the playoffs, which they haven't confirmed this, but it's likely going to be a points percentage. I saw a tweet from a tweet, not treat a tweet from Greg Wyshynski today uh, saying that the league is a hundred percent going to go with points percentage. Uh, and, and that in and of itself is still not a guarantee, but that that's someone who at least has sources saying that it's going to be points percentage, even though like none of us are, are saying like that's they're not going to do points percentage. Now, it just makes sense. It's the most equitable way of doing this. Sorry, Columbus. Yeah. And, and that just makes the most sense, because like we said, you can't at this point, you can't pick up the regular season. So with everyone playing a different amount of games. How could you do points if a team, for instance, like the Islanders, haven't played the same amount of games as the team in front of them? It doesn't make sense. you got to do it by percentage. Exactly. They've paid, played two fewer games than the team directly ahead of them and are only one point behind. Like, just, I don't know what, what the, the, the row is or the regulation wins are uh, between the two teams, but even if you just go to that one point, you tell me the Islanders can't pick up one point in two games? Probably. So then... The equitable, the equitable thing is to make it over points percentage, which puts the Islanders into both of these uh, scenarios, right? Whether it's a 16-team uh, bracket or a 24-team Wild West round robin, whatever you want to call it thing. I, which one of these would you prefer, the 16 or the 24, do you think? I think the 24 uh, you could would be better for scheduling and better entertainment than just a straight-up we're going to do one V eight type of thing in both conferences. Okay. Um, I, I'm going to disagree. I think that it should be the 16 um, just because I think having 24 teams in there is going to be just way too many. Sure. Uh, but I think from an entertainment perspective, you're bringing in a lot more markets like the Rangers would be in it. Uh, the Montreal Canadians would be in it. Chicago would be would be in it. Those are the three biggest markets in North America. Well, maybe not North America. Montreal's further down the list, obviously, than Chicago and um, New York. But 
those are the three most important teams in the league without including Toronto, which is already in it. Uh, so but just from that perspective of getting more engagement, I, I think that's that's a home run. The, the NHL has to do that. How they figure out the schedule for that is going to be interesting. That's Because right? the way this thing is set up is really strange. That's what I was going to say is I'm not exactly sure how you're going to be able to figure out a schedule for that. You want to break that down a little bit? Well, so as far as I know, they're they're planning on having four host cities. Uh, where those host cities are is still up for debate, uh, obviously, because no one really knows. Uh, it's not going to be like North Dakota where there aren't any cases, relatively speaking. It's also not going to be New York where all the cases are. True. Uh, maybe not all. That's that's insensitive. Oh, where a lot of cases are. Many, many, many cases are. Um, they're, they're not going to do it there. It just doesn't make sense to do it. Um but they still need a place that they can scale, right? Like that you can have at least four teams show up. And four teams, we're talking about at least 23 players per team. And now it seems like it could be 30. So 30 times four already, it's 120 players. We're not talking about coaches, equipment managers, fitness staff, et cetera, et cetera, media members, uh, like all, all of this, the extra, extra, extra layering on top of that. You still need a place that is big enough to house all of these people, even if it's just temporarily. And you're not going to get that from North Dakota. So we're talking about big cities, probably L.A., Vancouver, you know, things of that of that nature, maybe even Toronto. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure how they're going to be able to pull that off even at, at this point. I know that it's still kind of early in the process, but. That's a when you just ran down the list. So it's 120 players plus coaches plus media members plus equipment members. How 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 are you able to do it? How are you going to be able to keep the safe social distancing at that point? I'm not smart enough to figure out all of those permutations, yeah. but that's a good point, right? Like mm-hmm. that's all you're trying to do is raise the point, and that's a great one. Like there's a lot of things to think about, and then you got to think of all the testing, right? Which People still can't get tests that that need them. Like frontline workers need tests. It doesn't make sense to take tests from frontline workers for an entertainment product. It really doesn't. No, it doesn't, which is why right now I can't see that happening. Like as much as I miss sports, and don't get me wrong, I, I miss sports, but I know how low it is on the totem pole. And I'd, I think it's not mutually exclusive. Like you're not insensitive for missing sports or like whatever it is that you do with your everyday life here. Like you can both be like, hey, I miss doing X, Y, Z and be like, I also realize that it's important for me to stay in my home at the same time. Like because I see that online way far too often, which drives me crazy. Yeah, that that's that's why like you can still be a responsible person and miss entertain entertainment like live entertainment. That, yeah. That's a real thing. <laughs> We're allowed to do that. Right. Like, you could understand that there are a lot more important things. Like you said, taking, to me, it just doesn't make sense to be like, hey, sorry, all the nurses and doctors and first responders in New York. We're going to take 500 tests and bring them to Vancouver so that we can test all the, the players, coaches, media members, equipment managers, all that junk. And, you know, finish our season. I, I just don't see at this moment currently constructed. I don't know how that's possible. No, it, I, I don't either. But I think that's why we're looking at a, at a June um, potential tournament. And, and that's why a lot of people are freaking out about a June draft. Uh, but we won't get into the draft just just yet. That'll be our next thing, kind of. Um, but what, what we really want to talk about here is like, what does this mean for the Islanders? Right. Because yeah, that's yeah. all we really 
kind of care about. That's what this whole podcast is about: is New York Islanders hockey. Um, in in a one sorry in a sixteen team uh, bracket, one v eight, Islanders would be the eight, right? Correct. That means they play Boston round one. If if we're just they, again, they haven't detailed how any of this is working out for seeding and such, and who plays who. But if it's a sixteen team, I would imagine it's one v eight, two v seven, so on and so forth, like it used to be. Um, that sucks. You don't think they could keep it like how, you know, they they've did it with the sixteen, the eight in each conference with the the divisions versus. Well, I guess it would still be the same, right? You mean well, like interdivision play, but uh, and then 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 getting into the well, like the the one each one seed plays one of the wild cards and the two and the three seed from each division plays. But so it would still be the Islanders versus the Bruins, then, right? Yes, because they would be the second wild they would card. Be the second wild card. Okay, so that doesn't really matter. Okay, but it, it does in a way. It does like it changes kind of the the rest of it, right? Because then the Islanders would be tossed into the Atlantic Conference's bracket. So assuming. Correct. In some world where they beat the Boston Bruins in a best of seven, their next opponent is an Atlantic opponent, and they don't they don't play a Metropolitan team until round three. Right. If if they continue to move on, exactly. Exactly. Whereas in this other setup, one v eight, they would play because of the eight seed. They would play the next highest seed, no matter what, even if if they're Atlantic or uh, Metropolitan. Right. It would reseed then. So like, let's say that the two seed advances, they would play the two seed in the next round. That's right, and if the two seed keeps going, they would play the three or whatever. Like, so um, yeah, if, if it's, I don't fancy their chances against Boston. I, I don't think I fancy anyone's chances against Boston. No, but with the healthy New York Islanders team, I don't know, man. I could see it going to seven. I I can't. I really can't. I don't think okay. this team hasn't matched up well against Boston in a ver- in a very long time in years. That's true. That 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 is true. Uh, I just, man, I think of a healthy New York Islanders team. Adam Pellet, Casey Zekas, Johnny Boychuk. Uh, and I know all those three guys aren't necessarily going to move the needle forward in a ridiculous amount. But when all those three guys were healthy, the Islanders were in it, were winning like 0.8% of the time. True. Would Pellet be ready to go at that point? Well, that's the big question, right? Because um, we know the two other guys will be. We don't know about Pellet, but... Um, the last time someone asked Lou and he gave an answer, uh, we were still talking about a May return, maybe even an April return, right? Like this was still in March. Uh, but now that we're looking at a June return, uh, that starts to change the equation a little bit. Uh, we're getting closer, obviously, than we are uh, than we were a while ago. So I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility. Uh, of course, I'm not a doctor and I don't know the severity of his injury, um, but but that is something that I would I be what's the word I want to use here cautiously optimistic that Adam Pellick would be able to to play. Okay, I'm not so much optimistic on that, but I can get behind the logic that you're using to come to that conclusion. If that makes sense, right? And then we get into the like the 2014 bracket. Um, I just want to bring it up here. Um, because it's it's a little strange. Um, I have to Google it because I don't have it open ahead of me. It's it's really different because they would have like the first they would have seating for the first two teams, right? The top two teams in the division would play against each other to decide the seating, which is wild to me. Yeah, and then they would play the next two the next 
the bottom four teams because it would be the first six teams in each division, right? Six times four, 24. Yes. The top two teams would play for seeding to see who's first and who's second, which is wild because isn't that what they're there for? Isn't that what the, the seeding pre-tournament is for? Either you would way. Think, you would think and so. And then the bottom four teams would play against each other. Uh, like, I think they didn't say elimination, like a one-game elimination, but it would probably be something of the sorts uh, to kind of like weed out everyone else. Yeah. I I think it's interesting. I think it just makes things a little bit more complicated in an already complicated scenario. Yeah, but I I like it in in it like it's completely wild. Like yeah, if yeah. you're looking to get an entertainment product out there, you have to make it as entertaining as possible and it can't just be like straightforward. We're just going to run through the same thing over again. Sure. You're trying to catch people's attentions and minds. This is a way of doing it. Not by making it convoluted or complicated, but by making it a little bit more involved. We have to watch because there's permutations everywhere. Like if this team wins, they can go against this one. So in this scenario, 1v2 just to figure out who's top and who's who's not. Okay. And then 3v6, 4v5. So the Isles would take on the Penguins in an elimination game. And I would fancy the Islanders in that. Oh, one. yeah. I would love the Islanders' chances against the Penguins. I mean, give me that all day against, you know, rather than going up against Boston. Right. And then they would probably play, uh, well, if they do win, when we, we think they will, they would then play the f- the first seed, which is whoever between the Philadelphia Flyers and Washington Capitals, which please let it be the Philadelphia Flyers because we are so much better against them this year than the flood, the Caps. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I... Okay, so can I change my answer? I like that version better because it keeps the Islanders versing the Metropolitan. And this is all, of course, according to rumor. And, and this is how they would they would sequester people, right? Like they would have that one that one host city where all these teams would play. And so the Islanders would have a one-game play-in game likely against the Penguins. And then they would have a date against either the whoever's the top team between the Pens, or sorry, the Caps and the Flyers. Hopefully it's the Flyers because we're real damn good against them this year. Um, in that instance, is that a series or just a game? I believe that would be a series. Okay. So that that's the second round would then be a series uh, of seven. Uh, I don't remember if it's seven. I don't think it is. I think it was three. Okay. I still like I think that. it was a best of three. Okay. I would still like the Islanders chances. I would against the flyers. Absolutely. Yeah. Against the capitals a little bit less. Um, but I, I, I'm there. I, I, w- I would fancy them for sure. And the benefit is in the one game, anything could happen. So it's not like crazy to assume that the Flyers would be able to knock off the uh, Washington Capitals in, in a game. Same thing for no. Pittsburgh versus the Islanders. But if you want to play that game of the Islanders advancing and the likelihood of the Flyers being there, it's not all that crazy. No, it's not that crazy at all. So... That's those are the two options we have on the table right now that the NHL prefers. It's whittled it down to those two. Uh, we'll see which one they stick with, if they stick with any. Right, like they could yeah. just cancel the rest of the season, like the AHL just recently did. Right, which um, I think everyone kind of saw coming, but it still sucked to see it come to fruition like that. Yeah, you don't want to see the season canceled. Like, there's still games on the line. I, at least for the. Um, the Bridgeport Sound Tigers, it really didn't mean much because they True. weren't making the playoffs anyways. But no, no, no. for other teams like the Milwaukee Admirals, who are like the top team in the AHL, that kind of sucks. Yeah, it definitely does. So anything else on the NHL plan coming back? 
no, we'll, we'll just see what happens from here. Like uh, things have to start getting better, and it's not necessarily with a lot of these places opening it up, opening up their economies, and opening things up um, prematurely. It's not good. It's not good. Yeah, it uh, definitely hasn't been too great. So uh, when we come back, we're going to get into tanking and the debate that is, is tanking good or is tanking bad? Welcome back to the Eyes on Isles podcast. Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson talking New York Islanders hockey. And Mitch, a hot button topic of discussion is always tanking. A lot of people, when they hear that word, makes their skin crawl. They say it's bad for the sport. Others will say, well, that's a good strategy how to build a roster. What do you say, Mitch? For I, I'm <laughs> I don't like tanking. I don't like that. I, I if it was up to me, there'd be no draft at all. Just rookies could go wherever the heck they wanted to go. Um there'd be no cap. Teams could spend whatever the heck they want to spend. Uh, if they're going to sink their franchise because they're irresponsible, go ahead. I don't care. Vaya con Dios. Do what you want. I don't get Toronto Maple Leafs. You want to spend a ton of money on building a superstar franchise? Go for it. Go for it. Spend it. And if you win, great. You don't. That's what happens. I, I, I don't mind that. So when it comes to tanking, I don't care for it. But I get why it exists. And I'm not mad at teams for doing it. Because there's an incentive to tanking, and it's not their fault that the system is built in such a way that the incentive is there for them to tank. Okay. Uh, I think your take's a little extre- too extreme for me. So I, I don't think – I mean, that would be wild if you could just sign rookies, right? Because that, that would – would there be – would it still be an ELC or would it still be um, – you could sign them to however much? You could sign to him to however much you want, but like at a certain point, you have a cost structure like that. That's how it it exists, right? Like you're not going to go and hey, Connor McDavid just coming to the league. Here's twelve million dollars, right? Like you could if you want, go for it. That sounds stupid, but like go ahead, knock yourself out. So for me, I guess I'll I'll take the pro tanking stance because I'm going to look at it from a front office point of view and how the league is set up. So. If you are a team that's not contending and you need to rebuild, right? You're saying like, okay, we we, we tried. It's not going to work. It's very, very difficult to successfully build on the fly, right? Like you got to break it all the way down and then build it back up. Not just in hockey, but in all sports. Mm -hmm. Secondly... If you're a small market franchise who cannot afford to spend up to the cap, the only way for you to get better is to tank and obtain these draft picks. And then uh, eventually you got to trade them away. But I'm going to use like the Oakland Athletics Moneyball situation where you have to rely heavily on analytics and find good value at different costs. I think that just adds another element to it and I don't think tanking is something that needs to necessarily be policed like I don't even like the idea of the lottery in the NBA and NHL drafts I just like you know how it is like in the NFL where it's it worst record picks first no matter what and it goes all the way up to the Super Bowl winner who picks last right and like the the draft lottery there's various reasons why it exists, but it exists in the way it exists now because of teams like the Edmonton Oilers, 
or like the New York Islanders have had four top five picks between 2009 and 2012, right? right? Like it's this systemic tanking that, that seems to really bother people because no one cares about how Toronto tanked, right? They don't, they don't care that they tanked to get Austin Matthews. They, they don't care at all because they did it once, right? One year, boom, went to the bottom, picked it up. We're back up again. Clean, proper break or proper tank. That works, but when the Edmonton Oilers just tank and tank and tank and tank and accumulate not only top five picks, but number one overall picks, and not once, not twice, but three times, uh, four times if you include Connor McDavid, like that gets that gets bothersome, and that's where people really start hating the tank. So it's no longer about the tank itself, it's about the not having, right? It's It's people hate that all these other teams have so many, and they haven't done it because they've done it right even though the system is there. You can't fault these teams for doing it. You want that? You wanted Connor McDavid? Then you should have tanked. You should have done it. Well, you didn't because you have morals. Great. Where did that get you? That That's my that's my thing. I, I see both sides of it. But so let's say you brought up the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. What has tanking gotten them? Connor McDavid. Yeah, I know, but they haven't done, but they've been tanking forever and they've been a bad team forever. Like, you look if you want to make the comparison to to another sport, how many times are the Cleveland Browns picking first overall, and they are still a a, a joke of a franchise? I don't necessarily think it's like, oh well, you're guaranteed to become a dominant force for the next ten years if you, you know, if you tank and pick in the top five three years in a row. It doesn't. I don't think you're necessarily guaranteed that. No, that's true. Like again, look at the Islanders, right? Yeah. 2009 to 2012. John Tavares, Nito Niederreiter, uh, Ryan Strom, Griffin Reinhardt, and who am I missing? Well, that's that's up till 2012. That's the four. Yep. They won one playoff round with one of those guys. That's it, right? Like y- you can get a first overall and like a bunch of other like top five picks in the draft. And still do nothing. So you're absolutely right. Tanking doesn't, in and of itself, guarantee you're going to win. Um, but it gets you a lot closer than you would otherwise. I don't necessarily know if it does. Well, you're definitely getting better talent, right? Like, there's a reason everyone wants to pick first overall, because you can pick the best talent available. Now, it's up to you and your organization to have smart people behind the curtains to go like, that guy's good, this guy isn't. And that's the difference between these franchises. So the tanking in and of itself, I, I have, there's no problem with it. And that's why you see teams always want to get the number one overall pick because it gets you that, that number one player. Uh, what happens from there is that it depends on the team behind that to say, like, he's good, he's not good, he's great. No, I, I, I see that point. I really do. I just don't. I think more often than not, the teams who are tanking and find themselves picking number one overall – don't have the organizational structure to then put it all together. Like, look at all, like, again, not just hockey. In sports in general, if you want to just make this a a sports, the Edmonton Oilers are a team that always seems to be in the mix for a top pick. They've made it to a Western Conference final. I believe that's right. Two years ago, wasn't it? A few years ago, they they made a semi-deep run. But other than that, haven't really done boo. The Browns haven't had a winning record since 2007. The Philadelphia 76ers tanked for all those years, and they 
have they haven't made a final or anything like that. Have they even made a conference final? I don't think they might have won a round. I don't think they made it to a conference final. I think they won a round, and that was last year against when Toronto won, right? I believe so. I'm not the, again. I'm not the biggest basketball fan, but I can make clearly. No, am I? Yeah, yeah. I can make that comparison. I, I just. I think it's something that's way overblown. And it's like, oh, that like they they they're tanking, they're awful and like it's bad for the sports, bad for I don't necessarily buy into that. No. And like this all comes up because when it comes to the draft, the NHL is proposing that they revert back to their old system, right? Where you could only move up four spots and the first overall or the, the worst team in the league like the Detroit Red Wings have the best odds like by far at I think it's some 30 some odd percent or 57 percent from 19 to 57 percent. So they're probably getting Alexis Lafreniere. That's an almost guarantee at this point. So like and then you have Ottawa has two and three no matter what it seems like two three. Uh, I think at worst is number four. Um and that that the way that Greg Wyshynski wrote about it, the the title says, "Can the NHL finally become pro tanking?" And it's kind of tongue in cheek because like they're not doing this to be pro tanking, but he's not wrong in saying like, "Look, the they're they're re incentivizing it." And yes, like teams are going to go into like twenty twenty one thinking, "Come on, coronavirus, let's cancel the season so I get those fifty seven percent odds again." Right. But it's clear that all of this brouhaha like you're saying before doesn't necessarily matter and the team is just the team the league is doing it as lip service for all the people complaining when if you really wanted that that first overall pick maybe you should have tanked for it because you're not putting yourself in that best position your team is still competitive so come on relax but theoretically like from a logical standpoint doesn't it make sense that the worst team in the league has the first shot in the draft I don't think so. I, I really don't because a lot of teams are bad because they're they're built by incompetent people. And that's not the case with the Detroit Red Wings necessarily. But you have a lot of teams like you brought up, the Islanders, right? Like managed yeah. by incompetent people and they were just bad. Do they do they deserve a John Tavares or a Connor McDavid because they're incompetent? No, they don't. If anything, the competent people deserve deserve that. Although their reward is the Stanley Cup. Um, but how do you weed out who's who's the worst based off incompetence or not? Like you can't quantify that. You can't. That you can't. That's why like I've seen things in like baseball to in, in all sports really, but like the teams that don't make the playoffs or the NBA, I think this was the teams that don't make the playoffs play a tournament and the winner gets the number one pick or something like that. Yeah, like that doesn't change anything about tanking because you're still you're still wanting to make that tournament. You're still gonna have to tank. And and how do you see that tournament? Right? Like I don't know. That that's the thing. But to me in sports, the worst thing you can be, which is very ironic for the Islanders, by the way, but the worst thing you can be is like a fringe playoff team or like an a very okay team. Because you're not bad enough to get all this talent in the you know early parts of the draft and you're not good enough to really compete for a title so you're kind of stuck in no man's land which is pretty much describing the islanders of the past seven years <laughs> you don't want to be stuck in the middle you just don't but and that sounds bad because like you're still competitive and you're not terrible that should be good right like okay we have a base to build off of we are not terrible let's build up from that 
that's not how the system works. The, sin- the system is incentivized to be like, we're not there. Tank, we're shutting it down. Just burn it to the ground. And that, that's, that's how teams are supposed to be built now, which sounds terrible. There's no long-term planning. It's, are we there? No. <laughs> Flush it down the tubes, boys. Let's start over again. It's awful. That, that's a personal perspective, obviously, but like that's, that's my opinion. I, I hate that. I like long-term planning. We're going to go for this. We're in the middle. Great. We still have somewhere to aspire to. We still have to push forward. Not well, let's tear it down. See, I, I'll disagree again because I think that the teams who are like a fringe team, let's say, they could do it one of two ways. They could either realize like, hey, we're not there. We have to add, and now they go out and spend in free agency, or they go out and trade a draft pick for a player. Or they could say, uh, my team's kind of aging. I don't know how much longer we could be in this window, so I'm going to trade these guys away, get some youth in here, and try to get this thing going again. Right, but that just shows systemic lack of long-term planning ahead of time. Right, where they, they weren't thinking like, I oh, guess- our team's going to get old at one point? Oh, crap. Crap on a cracker. I I get I guess so. I just I don't think we're gonna ever come to a real oh no on this clearly one. not. But I, I I don't think that the the point here was to to get to a consensus. It's really just to kind of like discuss what is and isn't tanking. Do we like or not like tanking? Because like you said at the beginning, it is a hot button issue. Because mm-hmm. for me, it's wild to think about that. Because when you think about tanking and you think about like the draft and the first overall. It's essentially compensation for being bad, right? Like, we want to make every everything fair. We want everyone to have a shot. Everyone needs a chance. Everyone deserves a trophy. So you weren't any good. Here's the best trophy we can possibly give you. It's not the cup, but this will probably get you closer to it. Here's your first round, your first overall pick, right? Where I don't think, I, 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 that's how I think in real life. Like, everything needs to be even. Everyone should have a fair shot. But when it comes to sports, I'm like, don't screw that screw making everything even everyone should just be as good as they want to be and strive to be the top like that's not my thinking in real life outside of sports it's wild how i have that switch in mentality and i wondered if that's the the same thing for you like when you when you think about like anything outside of sports do you think that everything needs to be equitable everyone needs to have a fair shot um so i'm Equal opportunity, not necessarily equal outcome, if that makes sense. Yeah, exactly, right? So that that's just how I – it just seems di- like everything is kind of different when it, when it flips from sports to not sports, and I think that's wildly uh, interesting. Yeah, no, it, it definitely is. And I see I, – again, I see your point. I just think that it would be – the league would then be way too top – like you'd have a handful of teams who have a ton of money who are in it all the time, and then just a bunch of – Awful teams and not really anything in between. Welcome to the Premier League. Yeah, <laughs> or soccer, soccer, any sucks. soccer league. <laughs> that's why soccer sucks. It does not. It does not for that. It's wild because you still have teams like I, I who do I like Newcastle United. Even then, they're a big team. Um, oh, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Or, or Bolton Wolverhampton Wanderers, the Bolton Wanderers, right? You like just they made have that up. that's not a real name. That is, um, <laughs> they have a, a a a guy that they brought in, like a, a young kid they brought in, and he's got a ton of talent. Well, you know what? They're gonna say like they don't have they they could do trades, but they don't. They just sell the players' rights to another team. Okay, well I'm gonna sell you to the Manchester United, one of the better teams in the league, one of the most like one of the richest teams in the world. We're gonna sell them to them because they want them. 
Now they've they've got money. Okay, let's boost up our infrastructure so we can find more of those guys. Not only so we can turn them into money, but we can build a team of those guys and we can be competitive, right? Like it, it's not short term; it's very long term, uh, and that that's what I like. That's what I like about it. And and I wish hockey was more like that, but I, I'm I'm of a minority. I understand that. So what you're saying is like if you can sell a player for X amount of dollars. I'm not talking about the selling and then the transfers. I'm just talking about like you could pick up a player and it, it isn't necessarily a draft. Like you can go and scout players and pick them up and Manchester United has the same opportunity at that player. That player could decide I could play for Manchester United or I could play for Bolton. Which way do I want to go? It's up to them. It's not up to the teams in the league to decide where players play. Okay. Interesting. So, yeah, that's kind of our uh, our two cents on uh, tanking. Uh, we both kind of fall on, I guess, the opposite sides on that one. But uh, definitely something, like we said earlier, it's a, it's a hot-button issue. It's something that most people either love or hate it. So uh, interesting to get the varying perspectives on it. There you go. It's it's something. It's, it's a, Yeah, it's something. So next up, what we wanted to do is get back to the Islanders a little bit more specifically and talk about reuniting Beauvillier and Barzal. Mitch wrote something this week, and I just want to preface it before. I know you're probably going to say it too, but this isn't like Mitch like, hey, Islanders roster is perfect. All you have to do is do this. It's like, no, no, no. Looking at what the Islanders have, this might make the most sense. Just wanted to get that out there because seeing that on Twitter also blew my mind. No, no, I, clearly I think Beauvillier is the best possible option <laughs> in the entire league for top-line left wing. That, oh, that's, okay. really, that's really what I'm saying here, because gotcha, those aren't, gotcha. aren't any of the words that I used. <laughs> not, not a single one. No, no, no. So the point I'm trying to make w- with this section is that when it comes to the Islanders, who are going to have a hard time finding someone to slot into that top-line um, left wing role, Anthony Beauvillier is the best fit. Like we went over this on our Patreon yesterday on Tuesday, we had a live chat. We spent an hour. We first started looking at free agents in 2021 to see who we can kind of bring in because we can't bring one in this year. We can't because we just don't have the money without like monumental movement, like right, Johnny right. Boychuk buyout, Nick Letty traded for future considerations, we'll say, and yep. and an Andrew Ladd buyout. We're not going to bring in a top six left wing or top six winger at all. In free agency. It's just not going to happen. We don't have the money. Uh, no. So, with that being said, Bo on this roster is the best option, I feel. Yeah, definitely. And uh, probably a different conversation, but I, I think the Islanders are going to make or come to the realization that they might have to rely on a Bellows or Wallstrom in the lineup next year over a uh, mediocre veteran. But again, different conversation. But I completely understand the logic that you are bringing up here when saying that you should pair Beauvillier back with Barzal. One, in 2017-18, they had arguably the best line on that team was that second line of Beauvillier, Barzal, and Eberle. And we've said it multiple times at this point. I'm not so sure how good of a fit Anders Lee is with Barzal and Eberle. Yeah, and it's not, let's say, like, Lee isn't good because he can't play with uh, Barzal. That's not the case at all. No, It's that he's just, they don't have, um, what's the word, not comparable, but, like, compatible. That's the word, compatible skill sets. They just don't. 
Uh, so let, let's try to switch that around. Uh, and like they, they've played well together over the last three years. Bo and Barzal have played 1187 five on five minutes. And between those two, Bo has put up 32 points. So uh, sorry, between those two in those minutes alongside each other, Bo has put up 32 points. Barzal with Bo has put up 53 points. That's the most or the second most out of everyone on the team. The only more, the only player he being Barzal has more points with is with Jordan Everly, the other Gary at 74 points. <laughs> so Gary. you could put Bo Barzal Everly on a line, and I know like maybe it didn't necessarily work in eighteen nineteen, but they didn't really get a whole lot of time to try it no, out. No, they didn't. You you give that some time, it probably works. To be fair, too, Bovillier is a different player this year than he was in twenty eighteen nineteen, and and that's what I was saying in the article. Like he, the one thing he learned this year playing with uh, Nelson and Bailey Brassard type of thing is he learned consistency. Yeah, he became yeah. a more consistent force. You apply that into a more offensive role like he will have in like he could have in 2021 and you might have that 60 point player on your hands. Of course, I don't know, but it sure looks like you could. And why don't you give it a try because it's not working with Lee. No, and again, like this isn't a knock on Lee. I just think he would be a lot more productive with Nelson and Bailey. Like we saw in the past what he could do with Josh Bailey and we know how good of a shot Brock Nelson has where Matt Barzal is more of a playmaker. Again, it's just different styles. And stylistically, I think it makes more sense to put Lee on that second line with those other two in Nelson and Bailey. And now you have two lines, same players essentially, but they are more, both of them are now more productive because of the changes you made. And that's the whole point is to reshuffle things around or not reshuffle, but shuffle things around to gain more balance out of your top six, because we're probably not bringing in a top six winger. I know everyone's like, oh, my God, Kiefer Bellows, Oliver Wallstrom. Yeah, I like them, too. But if you think they're coming into this league and they're going to start torching the league under a Barry Trotz system, you have another thing to worry about. And that's your computation about what Barry Trotz does with rookies. He's not going to go out there and be lights out. He might be good. He might be a top six winger. He's not going to be right away. I have look at what happened with Noah Dobson, right? Like he's not going to be a top six winger right out of the gate. Right. That that's it. They just, if you want to have, I guess, better secondary scoring, having them, and the mix might make sense in that instance on the third line. And, and like, let's let's be honest. He's not bringing up both, right? Both of them are not going to be playing full-time hockey next year. One of them, sure, not both. I agree that it's probably going to be one of them. I would lean Bellows because he's older, and he had, I would argue, the better year in the AHL. I'd really think hard about making it both, though. Oh, look, if I wanted to, if I was there, I'd, I would play both and let them learn. We might lose a bit at the beginning, but if you win at the end, it, you can make up for that. Uh, but I look at what Barry Trotz has done and nothing screams to me, I want to play rookies. Right? No, like, no, 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 no. All things considered, based on both Lou Lamarillo and Barry Trotz, Matt Martin's probably getting re-signed. That fourth line can stay together. Leo Komarov gets third line right wing. J.G. Pajot is third-line center, and then one of Kiefer Bellows or Oliver Wallstrom. And then, obviously, if it's Wallstrom, you just flip Komarov over to the left side, and you're off and running. 
Yeah, I think it's going to be Bellows mainly because, like you said, age, and he's been he's been here. He had a larger impact when he was here, so he's closer to do to uh, an NHL role than Oliver Wallstrom is. Right. I don't think that they're going to send him down to the AHL and be like, "You need to learn how to play team sport." And after like sixty games, be like, "You learned everything. Great, come on in, buddy." No, they're they're going to let him mature a little bit longer in the A. I think. Right, and with. Bellows playing a shortened season. I know his points weren't crazy, but he still scored 22 goals. Uh, I'm just not exactly sure what putting him in the AHL with Brent Thompson for another year is going to do for his development. Right, and like you mentioned, I think in their in our first segment or even in the last one, where they're going to need cap relief, bringing in a guy on an ELC at a, I forget what his cap hit is, but it's I think it's less than 925, isn't it for Bellows? Eight, I think it's eight. And, it might be eight and change. Don't quote me on that though. Eight ninety four. So, like that, that's it's less than nine hundred thousand dollars. That's pretty damn good. Yeah, no, I, absolutely, and I think he gets a shot. But I agree with you. I think it makes a ton of sense to reunite Beauvillier and Barzal. Um, I'm kind of surprised that it didn't happen at some point this year. It makes me wonder if the season did come back, if he would get that chance, or if they're automatically just going Lee Barzal Everly. Maybe. Uh, I, I would like to give them a chance, but uh, we'll see. Uh, obviously, I don't decide what they do. I just thought I'd put that out there, saying, like, look, they, they play well together. They've played a lot together, and one guy, Barzar Bo, is learning a lot how to be a more consistent operative in a top-six role. It's probably worth a shot, guys. Absolutely. Want to get into the quiz? Yes. So, you have five questions to name this New York Islander who has played 43 games for the Islanders at some point in his career. Okay. Are you ready? Let's do it. Question number one, or clue number one, I should say. I was born on June 1st, 1968 in London, Ontario. Next. So, he's a Canadian. Okay. I was a goalie, so you know he's a Canadian goalie, drafted in the second round of the 1987 draft by the Islanders. I held a 9-25-1 record with an 8-7-9 goals against, or sorry, save percentage and a 3.6 goals against average in 43 games for the Islanders. So clearly he did not start a lot of those. Felix Potvin. Incorrect. Good guess. Okay. I played 13 games in 88-89 for the Islanders and 30 games in 90-91. Between that, I won the AHL's Calder Cup for the Springfield Indians. Next. Four. I was drafted by the San Jose Sharks in their expansion draft and played for the Sharks. So the Islanders, Sharks, Chicago, Montreal, Boston, and Philadelphia. My best year was with Chicago in 1996-97, where I held a 2.16 goals against average and a 9.27 save percentage. We'll go next. Okay, last one. The easiest one possible. My first name is Jeff, and my last name rhymes with Hatchet. Rhymes with Hatchet? Rhymes with Hatchet. Jeff Batchet. (laughs) No, Jeff Hackett. Okay. What? Nothing? (laughs) I don't know, man. I wasn't really like... That's not really my era. No, that's true, right? Like, 96, 97, you were, what, 10? In 96, Four. 97? No, was, you were, wow, you were f- two. 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 Wow, 10. Wow, I was way off, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, but okay. Uh, yeah, you weren't around when he played for the Islanders, and I was, of course, only four years old. But I, I definitely remember some good old Jeff Hackett. Jeff Hackett. When did he play until? That's the question. Oh, three, oh, four. Yeah, that that's right before you. Huh? That's a little bit right before me. Getting All into right. I sport, take back so. my exaggerated laugh. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, he had a nine oh two career save percentage. It's not like the guy was lighting up the league or anything. No, no, definitely. Like, like I said, for the Islanders, eight seven nine save percentage, three six goals against average. No wonder they let him get drafted by the, the Sharks. <laughs> yeah, it's a little rough. Yeah. Uh, so when we come back, we're going to get into the social segment and what's trending around the Isles Twitter. Welcome back to the Eyes on Isles podcast. Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson with you talking New York Islanders hockey. Mitch, what do you got for us for social this week? So the first one that came to my attention is uh, an article that was shared on Twitter by The Score. And okay. it's the best draft day steal for every team in the Metropolitan Division. And I was like, all right, well, the Islanders are in that, so I will definitely click on this, if not, you know, just because I like the title. Sure. I scroll down to the Islanders, and the pick is Anders Lee. And I'm like, all right, that's a pretty good one. And then they go, GM responsible, Gar Snow. All right, that is factual. Uh, honorable mention, Travis Hamannick, Zidane Chara. And I'm like, okay, there's a name missing here that I would certainly put in there if you're taking second-round picks. Um, where's Ziggy Palfi? Oh. Okay, good point. Yeah, that's a really good point, Mitch. And like, I'm sure I could go even further back. I, I didn't, I, I didn't go all the way back in the drafts. But like, what about Mike Bossy in the second round? Wasn't he a second round pick? Like twenty, maybe not second round. It may have been first round, but like twenty third overall, twenty second. I think he was a later first. Yeah, I think that's true. I'm just, I'm going back to find it. Or Brian Trache, twenty second overall in the second round, right? Like, I, I don't understand. They don't. No, Mike Bossy was a fifteenth overall. Sorry, my bad. John Tanelli, thirty third overall. There you go. Okay. Like I, I just look at some of these names and I'm going, okay. Well, did they have a clear criteria for period? Right? Like, did they only go from like ninety six forward? Mm-hmm. But then I see like Rick Tockett drafted one hundred twenty first, nineteen eighty three, and I'm like, all right. Well, they clearly went all the way back to eighty three. Like, I, I don't understand why they wouldn't pick Ziggy Palfi. At least, at least. Yes, I understand he's a 26th overall, I believe. I looked this up earlier and I already forgot. 91, 26th overall. But that's still a second-round pick who put up 713 points over 684 games. I think it was 331 and 331 games for the Isles. Like, the guy was a point-per-game player drafted in the second round, and he doesn't even get an honorable mention. What the hell? Yeah, no, that that's definitely a mistake. Um, I would agree that I think he definitely would have to be, if not chosen, at least an honorable mention. Yeah, and then you got guys like Igor Shosturkin for the Rangers. The guy's played twenty games and he's a draft day steal. Can we just like pump the brakes a second here? You don't put Ziggy Palfi in, but you're going to put Igor freaking Shosturkin, who's great. He's great. Yeah, in like twenty games, he's barely sneezed in the NHL, and they're like, ah, draft day steal. Yeah, that that that's definitely a stretch. And I like Shosturkin. Like you said, I think he's going to be very good. And I think that and uh, Ila Sorokin going back and forth is going to be fun over the next few years. But it's way too early to mention him. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's just wild. I, it just really got me. It got me going. So good job by you, the score, for getting me going late this evening. Interesting. Uh, mine is going to be a question for you, kind of, based oh. off of a tweet. 
So the New York Islanders put out today a tweet, and it says, 40 years ago today, the Isles reached the boss level for the first time in team history. And it's Sparky, like, jumping on these uh, hockey figures. Yeah. Do we know what video game that's supposed to be for? Um, What video game is that supposed to be for? It's not Blades of Steel. Is it an actual video game? Are you asking me for the real answer? Do you know it already? Or? No, I, I, I don't know the answer. I was like, this just screams 1980s, and Mitch is usually like appalled that I don't understand like a 1980s <laughs> pop culture reference that is really random. So I was like, oh, he's probably going to chirp me for it, so I might as well just come out and ask him. I don't know. I, I think they just made it up. Okay. I still Cool graphic, though. I think Isle Social has been crushing it, by the way. It looks like... <sighs> It's this hockey game that only had, I, I forget the title, but you had like four different types of players you can use. You had like the, the stubbier fat guy. He wasn't fat. He was stocky, like more round. And I think this is the guy, the guy that Sparky is jumping on, who's more solid. You couldn't check him off the puck as easy. You had a tall, slender guy who you could check off the puck easy, but can shoot it harder. And there is two other guys that you could pick from, I believe, maybe even only three. And I think it was like World Cup hockey or something like that. I, I forget. Okay. I just thought you'd get the reference. That's why I wanted to bring it up. But I, I still – great graphic, by the way. Great graphic. I don't get the reference. Uh, so if you listening understand the reference, uh, hit me up with what game that's from because I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it was a reference outside of them just saying like they made the Stanley Cup finals. Very cool. What's up next? Next, I want to give a shout out to at Schwartz Sports. So that's Peter Schwartz, yes, okay. who posted something today. Uh, uh, was it today? No, yesterday. In honor of Isles MSG tonight showing the New York Islanders game when Vladimir Malikov scored his first NHL goal, he takes a picture of a bunch of Vladimir Malikov hockey cards. And I've definitely got a few of these sitting around somewhere as well. Like he's got pages upon pages of Vladimir Malikov one. And he's got one listed on his last page. Okay. Um, P.S. Uh, big up on, on uh, for the French cards. Is that is that French? Yeah, Défense. Um, well, maybe not. Anyways, on on the last page, uh, he's got like just just reckon I was gonna call him. God, Jesus, Malakov like whining into a slap shots. So his three pictures into mm-hmm. him taking a slap shot. I definitely have that one there. And as a kid, loved this card. Loved it. It was so boss to have that specific card. Uh, not only because it's Malakov and an Islander, but just the motion he's doing on that card is great. Yeah, I mean, he put up some monster numbers for the Islanders early on. Yeah, and then he traded to Montreal. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. That's cool. So, good job. Uh, good job, Peter. Like, I, It makes me want to go look at my cards right now. I was I'm not really a hockey card guy. I did have some baseball cards growing up. Um but I wasn't like huge into the card scene. I see them like breaking boxes and stuff online now and it really it gets the itch going. I want to go like buy a box of just cards and like flip through them and try to find valuable cards out of it. I I'd want to do that badly. I just don't have the disposable income to do it yet. Yeah, Gary V, just go to garage sales and pick up stuff. Oh, yeah, that's what I should probably do. I don't like going to garage sales. I don't like, uh, I just don't like garage sales. Nah, I'm, I'm with you on that for sure. Uh, this next one is a tweet from Isles RW from May 9th. Uh, it's a video of Matt Barzal talking about uh, going to a Brooklyn mm. Nets game with uh, a fan next year. And the tweet says, a Brooklyn Nets, Nets game, 
next year, Matt Barzal is re-signing, dot, 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 dot. So did Matthew Barzal just leak that he is going to be back next year? I mean, we assume that he's going to be back, but... Yes, I, I suppose. Like, he's an RFA. Where else is he going to go? Right. The only way he's not coming back is if the Islanders don't want him. And if the Islanders don't want him, so, someone needs to figure out what the hell's going on with Lou Lamorello because he's not acting like himself. No, no, no. I just I thought it, I thought it was funny that he, he brought it up. It was like, oh, conf- hashtag confirmed. <laughs> sources sources say Matthew Barzell staying. <laughs> My sources are telling me that Matthew Barzell will agree to an extension at some point before next season starts. Years and AAV still to be determined. Signing bonus Brooklyn Nets tickets. <laughs> 100%. Anything else, Mitch? That's all I've got, buddy. All right, so let's get a couple of plugs in here before we go. So wherever you're listening to the show, please make sure to subscribe, rate, review. really helps us out a bunch. You could also subscribe to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash eyes on aisles. We're about to record a mailbag show right after this, so you get a mailbag show. During the season, you get post-game podcasts. We've been doing a bunch of other stuff to make up for those post-game podcasts for right now. Uh, you get breakdowns. Mitch does his live streams, the GM mode, and the questions on Tuesday night. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Definitely head on over there if you're interested. Um, you could also follow us on social media. At Eyes on Isles FS is our Twitter. At NY is me, and Mitch is at TLO Mitch. Facebook is facebook.com slash Eyes on Isles. You could download our app, the Eyes on Isles app, available for iPhone and Android. And, of course, you can visit the website, eyesonisles.com, for all your New York Islanders needs. Mitch, episode 143 in the books. Another week in the queue. Back at it again next week. One step closer to 150, buddy. 150. Woof. Getting Man, it's a lot of podcasts. It's a lot of podcasts. Thank you so much for tuning in. Once again, I'm Matt O'Leary. He's Mitch Anderson. We'll talk to you next time. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.